0: Welcome to this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series Elevate. I'm your host, Garth Sundham, Communications Director at MAPS. And today we're continuing our open doors podcast series with Renu Juneja, Head of Scientific Evidence and Communications, Oncology, U.S. Medical Affairs Head, Janssen, Jennifer Lee, Associate Director of Scientific Publications in Nephrology at Estellus, and Lauren Brown. Associate Director, PH Expansion Team, Digital and Patient Engagement Strategy, U.S. Medical Affairs, Pulmonary Hypertension, also at Janssen. So, Renu, last time we chatted, uh, we were talking about a fellowship program that you had started at Janssen in medical communications. And could you start by refreshing our memory of what that program is, why it is needed, and how it started
1: Yes, sure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for continuing the conversation. Very important conversation, actually. So, um, this fellowship program actually started at Novo Nordisk, uh, which was my first company. So, um, as I mentioned in the last podcast, that you know somebody helped me come in 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 pharma industry as a medical writer, right? So, as I grew in career and I became head of the uh, strategic scientific communications group, you know, I, it, it was almost like paying it forward. That, and also a really good need, business need in the industry that we all, you know, I. we all realized that we needed uh, PhDs uh, and form days into scientific communication in pharma industry, but it's that chicken and egg story, right? Everybody wants people with experience but if nobody gives them experience, how do they get the experience, right? Kind of thing. So that's what started the thought of starting this fellowship program. And as I said that, I think it was, um, uh, I was definitely at Nova when we started this program mm-hmm. and the main objective of the program was to bring in recent PhDs. And then, uh, you know, with time, I also started included Form D um, um, candidates into this fellowship program, but recently graduated uh, candidates who come in the industry. uh, And then, you know, we give them one or two years of this experience uh, or, um, you know, getting them trained into scientific communications during this fellowship program so that then they can go on you get, you know, uh, uh, permanent roles and other roles okay. in scientific and medical communications. Yes. Okay.
0: Well, so Jennifer, you're on the left of my screen. Uh, what is your background? So re- recent PhD at the time of the program, and how did you find this fellowship program? Um,
2: yeah. So I uh, received my PhD in biochemistry, mm-hmm. um, and I. Was not totally committed to uh, pursuing a career in academic research, so and I really did enjoy um, writing. So I decided to look into some different options, um, and I pretty sure I found the Novo Nordisk um, Strategic Science Strategic Scientific Communications Fellowship on LinkedIn. Um, I decided to apply, and um, luckily got an interview. Um, I uh, met uh, other previous members uh, of the team who um, actually came through that fellowship as well at Novo Nordisk. Uh, they interviewed me and I learned all about uh, what they do because I actually didn't have a really great handle on, on what um, medical writers did um, in industry. I, I did have some classmates who uh, were working on the agency side and I knew roughly what they did, but um, I wasn't totally sold on that career path either. So it was really uh, quite fortuitous that I came through and interviewed at Novo Nordisk and um, got the position.
0: Well, maybe we'll get into what medical writers do on the uh, on the industry side in a sec, but Lauren, how did you find the program?
3: What was your background? But, um, so my background is I have a PhD in cell and molecular biology. Okay. Um, and then I did a postdoc basic research fellowship and uh, quite literally was burnt out from the lab. I didn't want to do lab work anymore. And I just started looking into industry. And the only options I was presented with as a PhD were either lab work in industry or an MSL, which I only we had a few presentations when I was in graduate school. And it was, OK, you're going to talk to um, healthcare providers and you'll do a lot of travel. And that wasn't something that I was open to because, I, I, you know, I wanted to start a family. and I didn't want to be on the road all the time. Um, so I just. kept Fit so something that was going to be scientific communication, translating very dense scientific material into easier consume material, and working with people but not in a lab setting. Um, okay. So I found the fellowship, and it was like, "Hey, do, have you just recently had a uh, got you know received a PhD? Check. Have you uh, do you have an experience making slide decks and and doing scientific communication? Yes, that was most of my career um, to that point." And, um, I was, I thought it was a long shot, but I applied and then I got to meet, uh, Renu and now, you know, she's now one of my long-term mentors, but, um, that's kind of how I discovered it It was, it was just kismet that I was able to find that on the J and J website. Um, yeah, that was it. It was just tenacity of just keeping searching for something that would kind of fit me.
0: Well, and Lauren, you mentioned uh, as we were starting this call that you're under a hurricane warning. So if yes. there's a blip in your recording, we won't <laughs> hold it against you. We'll Thank hold you. it against the weather. Yes. So Renu, you have people who are our recent PhD uh, uh, recipients or graduates, and they come into this fellowship program. Wait, don't these people already know how to medically communicate? What do they need to know? And what does the fellowship program teach them?
1: Yeah, so I think I mean a very good question, Va. Very good question there. So uh, I mean that's how what I thought when I started my career as medical writer in industry, right? And then yeah. you realize, okay, there there are some differences, right? With the big thing is, yes, all these fellows came with publication writing experience, right? They yeah. knew how to write abstracts, posters, slides, or or oral presentations and things like that. The big difference was that in academia, we had a little protein, little gene, little finding, and we could extrapolate it to the ninth degree, right? I mean, uh, just keep going. But in, in the industry, you just say the results, what it is, and that's it. You know, So there is a little bit of, I would say, fine-tuning of publications, fine-tuning of, you know, I mean, learning those key points that in clinical practice, you can't extrapolate things you it is what it is or it's not right kind of thing but the other part where Jen was part of the fellowship uh, back in Novo Nord is that that time my fellows were doing both regulatory writing and publication writing so of course the regulatory writing was totally new right writing a protocol writing a clinical study report that we didn't do in academia uh, you know very different Writing for that, so yeah, there was some learning on regulatory writing side, and I'm sure Lauren will say the same thing that there was some kind of writing that was that was not happening in academia, even in her fellowship program. You know that she did. Yeah, okay. so some fa- some finer differences
0: there. Finer differences. Well, well, so Jennifer did this program, open doors, and how did uh, it lead to your current position, or you know the the position after a fellowship? I don't know if you're still in the same one but what, what, what did you gain from this fellowship? Where did it lead you?
2: Oh, I gained um, so much relevant experience that I've taken throughout my, my career and positions after Novo Nordisk. So I stayed at Novo Nordisk for about two and a half years. Um, where, as as Renu mentioned, I worked on both regulatory and publications writing. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoyed the publications work and just working in medical affairs in general. Um, Decided to actually take a position on the agency side, where I primarily would be working um, in publications work, but also getting some broader exposure to different types of, of medical affairs work and actually even commercial work so so I did that for several years but I always um, always had uh, a hand in working in publications with different different companies and then um, pretty recently I came back to the um, to the sponsor side and now I'm working in publications um, exclusively.
0: That sounds like it's been pretty fluid Lauren what has your experience been?
3: Um, So the Medical Affairs Fellowship taught me more about medical affairs, because like I said, my only exposure to industry and in the medical affairs world was learning about MSLs. And I didn't know any of the behind the scenes things, like what goes into making a deck, what makes it an effective communication, what happens with publications, just all the moving parts of medical affairs. Um, So the opportunity that I received with the fellowship just opened my eyes and taught me all the different kind of uh, multi Faceted portions of medical affairs. So I stayed in my fellowship for a year and a half, and then I was recruited by a group within Janssen. My goal was to stay within Janssen because um, it's a great company to work for. Um, so then I was recruited to work in uh, pulmonary hypertension, um, and it worked out well because I'm still in medical affairs. So I can take this skill set that I learned from the oncology uh, fellowship and apply it to my current role now as associate director of medical affairs.
0: Okay. I'm sorry, Lauren, are you in, I should look at your title again. Are you, are you in communications or publications or what, what facet of dance and hypertension are you in?
3: So I'm in the unbranded portion of medical affairs. So uh, we have two major brands and then I, I work with the unbranded stuff. So just, uh, disease awareness. So it is in medical communications and scientific communications.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So Renu, if people who come out of PhD programs, um, if, if they're looking for opportunities, this fellowship sounds like a, a fairly, fairly linear path into industry, but there aren't that many of these fellowship programs. H- how do people get into medical affairs or industry in general outside of fellowship programs? Do they just what start applying for communications positions or how, how does it even work? what would you yeah, say i mean
1: uh, it, it, that that's a challenge right so every time i talk to you know different my colleagues in different companies you know i i beg them i request them because everybody is you know, uh, struggling with getting good scientific communications people, good medical communication or good writers, so yeah. to say, right? So I, every time I get a chance to speak at a Congress or anywhere, my first couple of sentences are, please start a scientific communication, you know, fellowship program. It's a win-win. It's a pay, paying it forward. You know, we all should be doing it. And I tell you um, it, in a couple of cases, it has actually worked. I have heard that other people, you know, from my team, previous teams, or I have had conversations with or others, that they are starting these programs or they are, you know, looking into these programs. But you, are, as you said, they, these are very, uh, you know, far and few, very, I mean, DS have many fellowships going on. So they have a much easier path to get into industry, but for PhD, it's not, right? So my anytime anybody reaches out to me on LinkedIn for, you know, getting any kind of guidance and all, my request to all of them is always show that you are writing, you know, your first authors on publications, show your interest in scientific communications, in medical communications, Mm -hmm. and then try more on the agency side. You know, if positions are opening up because industry is a little bit more stuck on that they have to have experience, but agency is more open to having fresh, you know, uh, people come in and, and gain experience. And I, so I say, go to an agency and if agency is a little hesitant or you can't get in, you know, volunteer. Say, can I write an abstract for you? Can I do a presentation for you? Can mm-hmm. I do a poster for you? You know, kind of just volunteer your expertise or your experience there. And hopefully, you know, you will do a fantastic job and you will get in. Right? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. <laughs> but but it is, it is a struggle. Not many fellowship positions or roles are open for PhD, unfortunately. Unfortunately. But if I could
3: just add to it as well, because um, all those are great points, I think networking has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah. Um, yep. I didn't personally know anyone from Janssen um, to help like, facilitate my, you know, me getting the fellowship. I, that was just pure luck. Um, and, and and luckily, my CV was, you know, appropriate for the role. Uh, but the current fellow, Emanuela uh, Renu, she reached out to me about a year and a half ago. Yeah, and so Renew's current fellow is someone who reached out to me and said, "You're the fellow. How did you do that?" And I said, "Okay, well, I I might be leaving soon, so why don't you take my spot?" Jokingly, and <laughs> and then I and she sent me her CV, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you you should. You're very qualified." And we just we just worked together on trying to formulate a really great um, application and just kind of help her with this process. And she did it all on her own, um, but if she hadn't reached out to me initially and said how did you do that she would have never had that initial contact or just the the information about the program um so it's it's it is a double edged sword because it's like maybe you don't want to network or maybe you don't, you know you're a little shy but it is beneficial to make that initial contact um just to say hey i'm very interested and people are happy to talk about themselves um so just informational interviews are super helpful um so that's just another kind of tactic you can use to just get into industry.
0: And I'll put in a plug for MAPS at this point. I think we're <laughs> a great place to come to meet people and mm-hmm. you know, in a very collaborative and productive and, you know, not necessarily pressure filled way. So MAPS events are also a great place to meet folks in industry. So Jennifer, if you were going to give advice to a PhD, a recent PhD who wants to get into industry, probably on the communication side. What what would you say to that person?
2: I would say um, definitely network uh, first within uh, your graduate school network. Um, actually, um, my my graduate school had a pretty strong um, alternative career pathway. Oh, cool. um, program where they, they would give regular seminars about, you know, non-academic careers um, because so many folks actually were not pursuing those, those careers. So um, definitely attend those types of sessions if they offer them, and if not, um, you know, speak to, speak to folks, uh, former students who um, are pursuing uh, communication careers. And, and really it's, it's, it's best to do this <laughs> if possible before graduating. Um, so you can try to set yourself up for success by, by doing things in graduate school, like, like more writing, more presenting, and just, you um, you know, more of the types of activities that we do day to day, you know, in, in our medical affairs and communications roles. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really my, my best
0: advice. And maybe working with your university or, or your mm-hmm. academic, uh, your PR representatives too, to show that you're doing communicating from the science side. Absolutely. That's <laughs> there
3: was a forum. There was a forum I attended in graduate school called Beyond the Bench. I don't know if anyone else has heard of that program. Um, it was helpful in the sense that there was a level of networking, but it was also just more so of here are your options, and you may not have ever heard of any of them. And um, I feel like with industry, there's a lid for every pot. So if there's something that you're really good at. There's going to be somewhere for you to fit within industry. You just kind of have to hustle, network, and um, or start on the on the um, the vendor side or um, the partner side that might be. Or sorry, agency is probably the correct term, but the agency side, and then work your way into uh, the bigger industry. But
0: yeah. yeah. Well, I, I cannot believe the volume of good advice we have just given <laughs> to recent PhD graduates in our in our 15 to 16 minute phone conversation here. And Lauren, is the phrase a lid for every pot? Is that actually a saying or did you just make that up? I've never heard that before.
3: Oh, I, my mom says it, so I don't know. <laughs> it might not be I don't ever knew. Have you ever heard that or no? Am I? Okay, so you made it that's, up.
0: Well, that we is, we all learned that, something that's from
3: today. Mrs. Brown then. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you all for joining us today, Renu, Lauren, and Jennifer. Uh, this has been a spectacular conversation and I can't wait to publish this to medicalaffairs.org. Go there for many more episodes uh, about opening doors into industry careers and many other resources, I hope you have all enjoyed this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate.